You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, And today's guest I'm really excited about because she talks about what everyone wants more of, which is money and how to be wealthy as fuck. So I am so thrilled that she could be on. Her name is Paige Ray. She is a wife, mom, coach, and entrepreneur who focuses on helping people become financially free. She's on a mission to educate others on how to create real wealth, as well as shift the culture around money mindset by ending unnecessary pain and baggage related to money. So Paige, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Gabby, for having me. And I know that a lot of people want to be wealthy, but the truth is a lot of people also feel very uncomfortable talking about money. So I think that's an issue. Yeah, it is a pain point for a lot of people because, well, first of all, we're not taught about money in school. And then in addition to that, like if it's uncomfortable to talk about, how would you learn it? And then of course, there's like all the emotional baggage that comes with money of like, oh, if I don't make a certain amount, I'm not a bad person, but right, I'm not worthy or like no one wants to date me or like, you know, all these stories kind of trail behind us. So I'm appreciative that you are doing the work that you do because clearly it needs to be, it needs to be worked on. People need help with this. Well, thank you so much for, you know, giving me this platform. And I'm really excited to talk about money because just like a lot of our audience here, I was uncomfortable talking about money. And this is my way of giving back to the mentors ahead of me who took the time to, you know, really sit down with me and help me through my own personal baggages around money. And so hopefully, you know, through this conversation that we'll be having, someone's life will also change and maybe they'll share the story to other people as well. So yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. So what is your story, right? I'm assuming you weren't a money coach your whole entire life. And obviously you had said you weren't comfortable with money. So how did you become a money coach and get comfortable with money? Like, what's your story? I would say it almost was an accident becoming a a money coach. I guess people would, I I don't even call myself a money coach. I just happen to talk a lot about money and I happen to coach people through it. And I say that because obviously money affects so many areas of our lives. Oftentimes when people come to me, the money portion I find is such a huge piece of how they view themselves and the lives that they're living. And because I talk a lot about it, people now correlate me as being a money coach, which is, you know, I'm totally fine with it. But how I became a money coach or how I became the person talking about money, my journey started, you know, being an entrepreneur really was all about my desire to be financially free. Really what that meant for me back then was just being able to pay off my debts and being able to pay my rent on time buy groceries without feeling guilty and having to put back some stuff when I'm just about to pay at the cashier. That was all I wanted from the very beginning. And so I wanted to share that because oftentimes, you know, when we think about financial freedom, especially if you're coming from a place where I came from, so I'm an immigrant, migrated to Canada, you know, I literally saw the difference of what it's like being in a developing country or a third world country compared to the lifestyle in Canada. For me, that that striking difference was just very astounding in a sense because I realized just how powerful money truly is. So my background, you know, coming from a family of immigrants, and this is not a surprise for a lot of people who are also immigrants. And actually, you know, surprisingly, I coach a lot of people who aren't immigrants, by the way. And this is why I know that 
money is such a universal thing because it doesn't matter if you're white, yellow, brown, whatever you want to label it. Money affects all of us. And oftentimes the stories that we tell ourselves are pretty much the same all around. So for me, you know, actually, like I said, it almost was an accident becoming a quote unquote money coach. Wanted to be debt free, financially free. I just wanted a better life for my family. So I started thinking about how to earn income. And I was working at a warehouse getting paid $13 an hour. And I remember being in debt. I couldn't even enjoy my life being a newlywed. Like me and my husband, we couldn't go to our honeymoon. We couldn't even leave work at the same time because we worked at the same place. So they were like, oh, we can't afford losing two people at the same time. And so that lack of freedom there, plus you're just getting paid minimum wage, was so horrendous that I was like, okay, I cannot keep living like this. It actually reached a point where I was literally crying in the washroom and I just felt helpless. And I realized, you know, I cannot hide in the washroom every single day and I cannot keep showing up at work not even brushing my hair, not even showering because I was just unmotivated to show up at that workplace. And so I decided I needed to change my life. I started Googling how to pay off my debts. Through that rabbit hole of searching how to pay my debts, I found this blog that talks about how to make money online. And back then it kind of seemed like a scam, you know, but it piqued my curiosity. I started hearing about the terms financial freedom And where I came from, the term financial freedom was like, what the heck is that? I didn't even understand what that meant. You know, I've just never had anyone from my family talk about financial freedom, per se. That piqued my curiosity, started studying it a lot. And then I jumped into starting an online business. But it wasn't until, you know, I started thinking about pricing my services and what I had to offer in the first place, what price tag I'm going to put in that that I started realizing, oh my gosh, I'm very much uncomfortable talking about the money aspect when I know I need to make money. I was working with a coach and he basically opened my eyes that I have all these money issues that I need to deal with. Otherwise, I'm not going to be a successful entrepreneur, (laughs) right? And it's not just that. The, The core of it was he was asking me, how much do you want to make through your business. And I remember I was so gung-ho with saying, okay, I got to make six figures. You know, coming from minimum wage to six figures, it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm freaking rich. You know, I mean, that was really what I felt like. If I could just reach six figures, I would be rich because I'm no longer a minimum wage earner. I kept really pushing about that bracket of six figures. And I remember my coach was asking me, why are you so dead set on making six figures? I said, I don't know, because I want to be financially free. He actually taught me, his name is Stefan James. He was the one who actually taught me that you don't need to be rich first to be financially free. And I say rich because from my perspective, six figures at that time meant being rich, right? For some people, it can mean seven figures. Look, I've worked with clients who are literally six-figure earners, and yet they come to me with money issues and they said, look, I'm a six-figure earner and Everyone else here is saying how to make six figures, but I'm still broke, right? What's going on with that? Do they need to be seven figures to get out of that brokenness? But then it really comes down to your relationship with money, how you feel about money, how 
many baggages you might have from the past that you've carried along that's kind of hindering you from moving forward with your money goals. So it was from that conversation with my mentor. I know it's kind of long-winded, but that conversation from my mentor made me realize that I had a lot of things that I needed to deal with when it comes to money. A lot of fears, you know, from my childhood was being brought up, especially because I saw my parents fight about money pretty much (laughs) my entire childhood. And I eventually got so addicted with just reading about it, trying to figure out how I can have a better relationship with money, that eventually when I launched my business, it was my verbiage. I spoke a lot about it. I shared with people a lot about my background and why it's so important for us to talk about money. And that's why people just started referring to me as the money coach. You know what? It's so funny though, because similarly, I had hit the six-figure mark and I was still having money issues. I had like paid off debt and I was like, you know, I felt great about that at the time. Like, oh, I finally paid off my student loans. Like, great. But then you always kind of fall back into the old patterns. You like, you know, change your lifestyle to be in accordance to that, like all that stuff. So even though you're maybe you're making more, more is going out. So it's so funny that you say that there's a difference between being rich and financially free because it totally is. But what most people don't realize, it's not getting another job. It's actually expanding your wealth consciousness and your ability to receive, which is the most powerful thing you could do, which is crazy. Everyone's like, I don't want to talk about mindset. I'm like, then don't expect to be a millionaire. I am sorry. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) Does not work like that. Absolutely. And you know what? Like, so I read this book and this guy was basically interviewing millionaires. And he was asking, do you actually feel rich? How much money do you have in the bank? And do you actually feel rich? And it was so surprising because there were millionaires literally saying that I don't feel rich. That's why I keep working because I don't know what amount is actually going to make me feel rich. When in fact, really at the core of it, I mean, obviously having that number is important too, but at the core of it, what we want to feel really is not so much seeing that money in the bank, but rather we actually want to feel rich and experience the financial freedom with it. So people need to make that clarification so that they can actually create that in their lives. Yeah. And it's funny that you say the feeling rich because for a while too, right? I didn't never really felt rich even when I had the six-figure job in the apartment and all this stuff. So I had to actually tweak my lifestyle to be like, well, what would someone who's rich do? Like for me, it's like buying flowers, like going to hot yoga, like being that like bad bitch, like, you know, like have my nails done, like whatever it is, even though they're press-ons and they cost me $9. Like, you know, whatever it is to get you to, again, that energetic playing field where you can kind of like run with the top dogs from an energetic perspective that really changes the game. But I want to kind of reel it back a bit. You keep talking about rich versus financially free. Can you define both of those and like what the difference is? Because some people who are listening, they're probably maybe still curious, like, well, really, what is the difference? Yeah. So I would say financial richness definitely is the numerical value, right? So that can be different to everyone. For example, the old me, the younger page, would say that if I could be six figures, that would be financially rich, right? But the page now would probably (laughs) aim for something higher because my lifestyle is just so different now. I have different priorities, different perspective about what I want to do with life. So definitely it's the numerical value. So whatever that is for you, six figures, seven figures, eight figures, whatever. Financial freedom, on the other hand, when we talk about it, really it's just having that freedom or that confidence that everything you need in life is pretty much covered. And to make that simple, 
I normally teach my clients that financial freedom is all about earning enough passive income that actually pays off for your very basic cost of living. So for example, I'm going to share my story when I got started. So the whole idea why you don't necessarily need to be rich first to be financially free, especially if you're just getting started coming from a place where I was, I was a newlywed. It was just me and my husband. Back then, I was thinking financial freedom meant having six figures. But when I did the math of how much my very basic cost of living is, you know, paying off my rent, my groceries, my electricity bill, phone bill, all that very basic living expenses that's going to get me out of the survival mode, it was literally just a little below $3,000. So when I realized that, he told me the goal that you need to make is to create passive income first that covers $3,000, not six figures. And $3,000 back then, it's not even financial richness in my perspective. And probably anyone that we speak to right now, it's not necessarily considered financial richness. And so financial freedom is literally just having enough passive income to cover your basic living expenses. So oftentimes, we actually overinflate how much that is. We often think that we need six figures, seven figures to cover that, when oftentimes it might be a little less, actually. And the way that I deal with my clients, actually, is like this. I don't even give them $1,000 to start working with. It's literally find a monthly bill. Let's say your phone bill. Say it's $60 per month or $100 per month. Make that your first goal towards financial freedom. I mean, imagine if you could actually have passive income coming in knowing that your phone bill is paid, right? Once you've covered that, add on another bill. Maybe next it's your weekly groceries, however much that is, right? So you kind of add on top of it. And so now the gap between where you are and financial freedom starts becoming smaller and smaller. The issue with the idea that you need to aim for financial richness first to be financially free, it makes that gap between where you are now to where you want to go so much more wider and a lot more overwhelming to actually make you do something about it. Sometimes you do something and then you'd, you know, you'd feel like the goal is so far away that it almost feels frustrating. But if you actually lessen that gap between you and financial freedom, it becomes more attainable. It becomes more motivating for you to actually take action and start plowing through that bill statement every month. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that it seems, you know, it's not as scary. And also, like you had said, $3,000, probably the people who are listening and who are high achievers and go-getters can probably figure out how to scramble up 3000 as opposed to like 10K to over get to, what is it, the 120K, 130K mark or whatever. That seems a lot more attainable and exciting instead of like running this rat race against all your peers and these unattainable things in a short amount of time. A hundred percent. And like I said, it's that gap often that makes us feel frustrated and kind of hopeless. It's hard for you to be creative and actually bring on that big money energy, as they say, when you're feeling frustrated and overwhelmed about your own goals. You know, your goals are supposed to inspire you. And it's so easy to take action when you know it's impossible to fail. Like you said, you know, any high achiever would be able to find a way to create that passive income of 3000 versus 10k and it's just once you hit 3000 honestly it becomes a lot easier to aim for 5 6 7 8 9 10 it just becomes easier 
Oh yeah, so much easier. But I'm wondering if now that we talk about like, great, okay, it's easier to manage actually like having that financial freedom. But I also want to talk about what we had kind of mentioned before about like the guilt of getting paid or earning or receiving money because it's like one thing to say, yeah, I want to make, you know, the 3000 right? I want to cover my basic expenses. But like, again, what if you're at minimum wage or you're like, you know, 50K, whatever it is, and you're not even near that mark? How do you like up level so that you actually feel comfortable with receiving it in the first place instead of yucky and guilty and shameful? So one of the first things that I share is you cannot expect people to pay you if you're not a buyer yourself. So it might be contradicting to a lot of other advices out there where they tell you to hoard your money and not spend it in order for you to save and invest and whatever. But the way that I see it, if you're a business owner and you're not buying from other businesses, don't expect other people to buy from you, right? Because the process of buying and selling is often learned through our own personal experiences. For example, for me, I was a minimum wage earner and I remember charging my very first coaching client $650 for two sessions. And I share that very openly because $650 is actually below the coaching uh, standard. However, at that time, if you're getting paid $13 an hour and you suddenly charged at least $300 an hour, that's a huge jump. And I didn't even have to go back to college to take that, to give myself that raise. And how did I become comfortable charging that? So for me, what I did, this was literally my thought process. I sat down and I was thinking, okay, how much do I want to charge my coaching client for my coaching services? What I did was I listed down all of the investments I've made up to that point. Courses I've taken, the mentors I've hired, the programs I've joined. And what I did was I added them in total and then I divided them into the number of years from that time that I started. And it gave me the amount of 650. Actually, it was a little bit over like 700 something or 800. But I said, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. So you know what? Let's find a middle ground. I'll do 650. It's still pushing out there. You know, I'm not charging $50. I'm doing math right now. I'm like, girl, I got to see what my thing is. Jesus. Okay. It's pretty fucking high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, people are paying for your experience and the investments that you've made to yourself right? And that's what I did. So when I launched my coaching business, I did that math and I said, I've invested so much more than $650 to get to where I am. So the value that I'm offering is immediately more than the amount that I'm asking. And so that initially just gave me a boost of confidence that, hey, look, I've spent so much more to invest in myself, to get to where I am, to be able to have this knowledge and experience to coach someone, if this price is fair. That's why I say you need to be a buyer in order for you to actually have the confidence to sell to other people. So that's the first step. And then another one is realizing that, look, at the core of it, especially for a lot of us, you know, any entrepreneur, if you think about it, when they start their business, their desire is to create something that will actually change not just their life, but the life of someone else. That's really the core desire for a lot of entrepreneurs. And when you think about it, you cannot sustain your business if you're broke. 
Mm-hmm. Say it fucking louder for the people in the back. <laughs> you cannot sustain your message if you're broke. It's just, you're not doing good for yourself. You're not doing service for someone else either. So I actually work with a lot of people who come to me and uh, I think it's just because of who I am. I'm very spiritual. And so I attract a lot of people who are also very in tune with their spirituality and they come to me and they have the sense of, hey, look, I know I want to help people. I want to make an impact. But if I'm here to truly help someone, shouldn't I make my services or my products very cheap so that more people can afford it, right? And I can change more lives. Otherwise, I'm just all about the money. And I say, look, it's, it doesn't work that way. You think it does, but it doesn't at all. Yeah, you think it does, but it doesn't. I mean, look, we've all spent that money perhaps on something that's cheap versus something that's more expensive. For example, my laptop, I suppose, is more high-end compared to, let's say, a Google Chrome that I bought for my daughter's online school. <laughs> you know, it's a $300 Google Chromebook versus what I'm using for my business. And definitely the way that I treat my laptop is so different than my daughter or, you know, treats her laptop. Although I, I try to teach her to treat it just the same way. For me, it's just like, there's just that energetic difference already. And if you think about the courses that you've paid to, how many times have you bought a book or a course and it's very cheap that you almost don't think about buying it, but you didn't even finish the course, you know, it's just sitting there. You didn't even go through it. Because there's no emotional investment for you to actually complete it because that money that you paid didn't require any emotional investment from you as well. For you to make a difference, an actual difference, you need to be able to comfortably charge high. And the reason why is first, you really need to sustain the message, right? Just this podcast, for example, it's not free to do this. Mm, no, it's not. You know, it requires subscriptions and whatnot, your time, you know what I mean? Like, so people need to realize that. There's also the saying, oh, but then I want to add value. I want to add value to people. And so they, they keep giving this free content. And, you know, there is merit to that if you have a certain marketing plan that actually benefits the overall ecosystem of your business. But at the heart of it, you know, to make a difference, you really need to sustain the message. I mean, think about this. If you're trying to inspire someone but you're hungry. I mean, just a very basic human sense, right? How do you expect to inspire someone? How do you expect to show up the very best version of yourself? You're not going to inspire someone when you're thinking about your mortgage because you're late with your payments, right? Versus when you know you have the bandwidth to actually think about how more you can give, how more you can be present with other people. Another person actually shared this with me. There's no transformation without currency. So the higher the currency that we pay, the higher the transformation that happens. And I personally have seen that, you know, in my life. When I first purchased a $35 course, which felt like a million bucks for me back then, you know, it changed my life to a degree. Now, you know, when I had invested in a 10K coaching program, for example, it definitely changed the how my business is working. And so I think just having that understanding that transformation often requires that energetic 
exchange and often that happens through money, it just makes us a lot more available with charging high prices. And there's actually a, a secret to that. So like I said, a lot of the times entrepreneurs start their businesses because they want to do something or create something that creates an impact and improves the lives of other people. I think that guilt often comes from, first of all, uh, you know, forgetting why you started that business in the first place. And what I mean by that is when you're working with a business coach, oftentimes you sit down with them and you think about your financial goals. Okay, how can we scale to the six figures, seven figures, eight figures? You know, you're talking about scaling your business. And what lacks there, which is why often people keep feeling that guilt, is we forget to actually plan about how we want to be more generous, how we want to be more of service and more giving to other people. We need to pair our business plan, our financial growth plan with generosity plan is what I say. So what that means is saying, okay, once I hit this milestone in my business, in my income, this is going to be my level of standard now for giving back to the community. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're just beginning in your business, right? You started your business, you launched your business, you're there because you want to be of service to people. How can you comfortably charge high dollars when you're just getting started. Like I said, first of all, you got to be a buyer. You got to know how much in investments you've actually made, you know, upfront that people may not necessarily know of. How much investments have you made? And then you're going to have that confidence to realize that you're actually offering so much more than what you're charging. And the next is you need to keep top in mind your desire to be of service to other people. So for example, for us, what that meant is every time we reach a milestone in our income, it doesn't matter if it's just an extra $500 or $1,000, we have a matching generosity service or act paired to it. So for example, okay, how much more can we, let's say, donate to this organization that we fully believe and support in? So oftentimes we plan for our own personal scale, but we forget to plan a scale for, for giving back. And that's where that guilt is coming from. But if you realize that, hey, once I hit a million dollars, I'm going to be able to, let's say, put a child through school or help someone go through college. That motivation is so different because you know that your money actually is doing something. So you just need to pair it with an act of service that you believe in because that's what you want to do in the first place anyway. You want to change the world, right? So pair your financial goal with an act of service that would feel extremely good for you to attain. And trust me, the milestone is just going to, you're just going to keep plowing through that milestone after milestone. Yeah. I always like to, I have to remind myself, but I like to think in the way of the money that I spend will always come back to me tenfold and even the energy that I put in. So when I was like, before COVID happened, I was doing every philanthropic event you could imagine. Like I was volunteering at Habitat for Humanity twice a month in addition to other things, donating this, donating that. And it was like, it felt really nice to see actually my efforts kind of translating into something greater than what I could possibly do for myself. Because at the time I was working the corporate ladder. So like I can only go so far with that. So I took my efforts outside of it. But it's really remarkable to, you know, get whether it's money or even time and, and energy directed at someone with intention of just providing value. Exactly. And you know what? It can be as simple as, it doesn't have to be so philanthropic. Like some people, it comes naturally for them. But 
if let's say you just have a YouTuber that you absolutely love and they're hilarious, you know, go subscribe to their Patreon, even if it's just $5 a month. You know what I mean? Like something small like that is actually making a difference. So just practice that. So I remember actually, I used to be one of those people where I'm like, oh, I don't want to tip people because it's their job. You know, I used to have that mindset when I was broke. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to change that because wealthy people actually tip good service. So where we lived, it wasn't customary. I know some restaurants, it's customary to already include tipping for like servers and whatnot. But in some places, it's not customary or it's not required. But I remember I told my husband, okay, we're not going to be those people who don't tip anymore. We are going to make sure that we tip every single time. You know, just those small acts, it really tweaks your mindset and you start thinking and acting towards around money a different way. And the way that I see it, you know, like, so this is another conversation that a lot of uh, millennials often bring up. I don't want to have kids yet because I am scared that I won't be able to, uh, you know, provide for my kids because I saw so much financial turmoil growing up, you know, like, I don't want to have them go through what I went through financially. So that's a lot of concerns for the younger generation, especially I see that a lot for my generation. But the way that I see it is, look, there is no such thing as job security, right? Anything can happen. Like right now we're talking and while we're recording this, there is a war happening in Ukraine and Russia. You know, we don't know what the heck is going to happen a month from now if it's going to just die down or blow up. Like, no one knows. So the way that I see it is money is pretty much the same way. Obviously, you need to take care of your money. You need to have healthy habits around money. But if you're going to hoard it, it's like you're holding your breath. We know we need money, right? We need money right now to operate, to live, just like we need air. The way that I like to remind myself is, Money just comes and go. To have this sense of flow and freedom in our lives, we need to realize that money is flowing. It's not just coming to you and staying there. It comes and goes. It comes and goes. Just like us breathing air, we need air. We're breathing it in and we're breathing it out. We're not holding it in. Like you could die holding on to your breath, right? Same way with money. Like I mean, imagine a lot of people just hoarding their money. They're scared that they might get robbed or scammed or whatever. It's hard to live your life like that. So the way that I see it, to stay in this flow around money, you got to realize that money is flowing. It comes in and it goes. And every time you let go of money, you know, let's say you're paying a bill or buying something for your family or for whoever, it goes to someone else. Just like our air, literally when we exhale, you know, the trees inhale it. You know what I mean? Like it goes somewhere. It benefits someone else. So I remember I started uh, this practice. I remember my mom, when we would pay groceries, she would look at the bill and be like, oh my gosh, so expensive. And as a child, I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, maybe we should put back some of these cookies or whatever. Like whatever we don't need, maybe we should put it back. And As an adult, you know, as a young adult, living on my own, doing my own groceries, I carry that same energy and that habit. I remember going to the grocery, I'm like, oh my gosh, so expensive, you know, and I hated the idea of paying for my food when in fact it's food. <laughs> like, what are you, are you kidding me? Like, why would you feel guilty buying food? 
And that's when I realized, you know what, I'm going to change that. And like I said, through the help of people and studying this whole concept about money, I realized I need to change that. So instead of me complaining about having to pay this bill, instead I would say thank you. Thank you because I actually have the money to pay for this. And thank you because, you know what, it's blessing this grocery shop, you know, the employees working here the owner, you know, it's blessing this community. So every time you're letting go of your money, like I said, it's like flow. It comes in and and it goes, but it's not just disappearing somewhere where it's not doing anything. It's actually blessing someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that when you get to that moment of like, oh, I don't want to pay this or like, oh, I don't have the money for it. More often than not, I do have the money for it. I would just rather be spending it on something else or it quote unquote doesn't look like what I want it to. Like, for example, I had to pay a credit card once because the interest on the 0% APR was going to end or something like that. It was like through PayPal. So I had like six months. I'm like, great, I'll pay it later. And it was like $1,300. It was like a pretty hefty amount that I was waiting on. And I was like, oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. And then of course I did have it, right? It was just in a different account and I had to pull it from there. And then I paid it and I was like, oh, like that's it. I'm mad that that money went somewhere else as opposed to like a vacation or like, I don't know, designers, whatever I wanted at that time. I'm mad about that. But I fucking paid it and I moved on with my life. Like, great. Problem solved. Like, let's go make another $1,300. How am I going to do that? Cool. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It just comes and goes. And I think when people realize that, they'd feel a lot more at ease. So right now, I remember when my husband used to work a job. So he runs his own business now. But I remember when he was working at a job, every time he's been laid off before, it would be like a freak out. Like, oh my God, you know, like we're freaking out. Where are we going to get that money, right? So over the course of nine years, uh, it happened about two times where he got laid off. And I remember the second time, you know, you're having that freak out again. Oh my God, it's happening again, you know. You're freaking out about the money. But then I realized when he finally got a job again, I realized, hold on, I've been through this before, you know, and we literally survived. It's kind of cliche, you know, any door that closes, another one opens, but it's the same with money. As long as you're careful with it, you know, obviously if you treat your money like trash, that's a different story. But I'm talking about people who actually want to care for their money and, trying to reach that next level in their financial goals. How do you get there when you have all these unnecessary baggages? That's why we kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. One thing that always came up for me too, especially in business more so recently than ever in my life, was the difference between like joyous and toxic money, essentially, right? There's times where you receive money from like an unexpected, I don't know, tax return or like, you know, a friend gave you money for helping with them and you like loved helping them. But then there's a time where like you have a client who like you end up really not liking and it's not great. And even though you're getting like money from it, you're like, ugh, I don't know if this is like what I want to be doing. There's obviously a difference between the two, right? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we've been talking about how money is essentially energy And I realized this because, you know, I told you the story about paying for my groceries and literally all I was doing was tapping my card. So I remember, you know, back then when I had a job, I was getting paid minimum wage and my income would literally be deposited directly to my bank. I don't even have that physical cash. And I remember being so stressed out about money when we were so in debt. Every time me and my husband would eat out, we'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel so guilty eating this food because... 
I'm in debt. I could have paid the $60 towards my credit card, you know, and I was feeling so bad about it. And it reached to a point where it's actually affected our marriage where, you know, I was like, oh my God, do, do I actually want to be married? Like, this is what my mom warned me about because I got married pretty young. You know, I got married when I was 21. So people kind of freaked out, especially my parents. Back then, thinking about, you know, this whole idea about money, I realized why am I letting this thing that I didn't even get a chance to physically hold because it's just in my card. So like the actual cash, I didn't even get a chance to physically hold it. And yet it feels like it's got a chokehold on me. And that's when I realized that money is energy because it doesn't matter if you're physically holding it or if you're just thinking about it, if you're just looking at it. I mean, think about how you're feeling when you're about to log into your online bank. Are you feeling joyful and excited to look at your online bank or are you dreading it? Because I'm going to be frank with you. I remember, especially when I was broke, I was dreading it. I didn't even want to remember my password. I didn't even want to put in my card number on there because I was dreading just seeing zero there or worse, seeing negative, you know? And if you think about that simple act of logging into your online bank, it brings up a lot of emotions, whether it's happy or negative. That's why money is simply just energy. And when you're, you know, we're talking about joys, money, and toxic money, a lot of the times people fear the idea of being wealthy or rich because of how we were raised. So for example, a common thing that I often see and even that I've experienced growing up is I used to think that I can't have it all, meaning I can't have a loving, thriving family life and be filthy rich. You know what I mean? Because when I was growing up, the idea of rich people, they had broken marriages, they were divorced, they had children who grew up, became addicts because of, uh, you know, toxic childhood and stuff like that. And so that's the news that a lot of us have heard. And so when you think about it, that's toxic money, right? So what does that mean? Uh, for example, when you're charging your clients, do you actually feel good when you're charging them that amount? Do you feel good that, you know, this is so much more worth than what they're paying for? They're going to get so much more worth than what they're paying for? Or do you feel like you're ripping them off? Because you'll know immediately what kind of trade you're making there. Are you trading joyous money or toxic money, right? Or for example, if you have a client, like you said, that is a headache behind their backs. You're like, oh, I hate this client. I don't really want to work with her, you know, or she's really pissing me off, you know what I mean? Like, come on. I mean, it's just what it is. We've had clients like that. If you're holding on to that client because you want to hold on to that money, you're just welcoming toxic money in your life. That toxic energy carries a lot of problems. There's actually a friend of mine when we were kids, he said, the more money you have, the more problems you have. And so growing up, I was like, I don't want a lot of money because I don't want a lot of problems. But that's probably toxic money. Because if you think about it, money can solve so many problems. And your life actually becomes a lot easier when you have money, if you have the right money. That's really just the basic of it is what energetic level are you trading your money and what energetic level are you receiving your money? Because what you want is money that actually brings you joy and not problems. Because there are money types that bring you more problem than benefits in your life. So for example, I'll share a story. We recently encountered someone who is basically scamming people, you know, selling 
properties and the properties are not properly documented with the government. And so it's technically illegal to sell them because they're not properly documented, right? But this person is successfully selling these properties to other people. For them, it might be easy money, easy big money. You know, it's real estate, but it's toxic money. So if you look at the state of their life, I don't know. I just really believe that what you give out there comes back to you and it's just the way that life works. If you just want to be able to bring in more good, you really just have to recognize what energetic level you're trading yourself in and what energetic level you're receiving money. And not just money, but anything else in life. I mean, just thinking about that, whatever you give out there comes back to you. And it's the same way with money. So you just have to be really aware of your energetic level and making sure that you're trading in in the energy currency that you actually want to receive in. Yeah. And like you had said, if you have grown up with these childhood wounds or these experiences that were negative, you have to do a lot of rewiring and actually take the time to practice the mantras, do the meditations, go to therapy if you need to, like something to change what's happening internally so that you actually can receive whatever it is, whether it's financially, in your relationships, in your friendships, your job. I mean, there's so much that can change, but it starts from your mindset as opposed to the external world, which is just, it's nuts. Like once you flip the money switch on, holy shit, the floodgates open. Let me tell you. It's just like, pull it. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> let's go. The faucet's running. It's not stopping. Let's fucking do it. Bring in your buckets. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ugh, it's coming. But um, I'm wondering, so I have my own like money toolkit, if you will, right? My little mantras and everything else. And like one thing I remember when we connected, we were talking about how on TikTok, there's this guy who has like, yeah, the money tree jingle, which is like ching, ching, ching goes the money tree. And every time it ching money comes to me, it all flows in so abundantly from the top left, right and up under. And then like, I mean, it keeps going on and on, but like, and he does a ton of different ones too, but I'm like, fuck yeah, like let's fucking go. And I know it's like lame, but like, if that's going to make me a millionaire, I could give a fuck. Like no one needs to know what I do behind closed doors. Like I will sit and meditate for hours on money if I fucking need to, if that's what it's going to take. And what I'm finding more and more is that these people who are wealthy as shit, that's literally it. Like they're doing all this, this mental work. It's not like, let's make more sales. It's like, no, let's receive more and make it easy. Like you can have both where you can actually do less and make more. Exactly. And you know what's crazy? So a lot of the times people think that money actually makes their life easier. And to a degree, yes, it does. But the more money you have, the bigger your problems actually get. And you just become a lot more ballsier. I mean, for example, my problems when I was a minimum wage earner is definitely so different from my problems now. And you need to be brave in dealing with that. But I think a lot of times when we're talking about mantras, and maybe this is not uh, an issue for you or but maybe someone out there in our audience might feel this way. I remember I would plug in my earphones, sleep with all these meditations as well, uh, going to bed. But then I realized like some of them kind of feels like you're worshiping money. And for me, it just makes me uncomfortable when certain language or lingo is used and it just kind of feels like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like almost cringy. You're like, this doesn't even feel natural. Like I don't want to repeat words over and over and over and over again. Like that's not, I don't want to do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like for, especially, like I said, a lot of people that I work with are very highly spiritual. And so for them, just the thought of talking about money, because, you know, people do have these spiritual wounds that they need to deal with. They often feel like it's unspiritual to even think about money, talk about money and whatnot. But I have these go-to affirmations that I share with my clients if they're usually uncomfortable with, you know, talking about that. These go-to affirmations feel good and they don't feel like you're worshiping money. So uh, the two affirmations are, every profit has a purpose. So every time that you charge people, it doesn't matter how high it is, when you recognize that your profit has a purpose, it actually makes you motivated and you don't feel guilty or you don't feel like you're a money monster and you're just hungry for money. You know what I mean? So that's one of my go-tos. Every profit has a purpose. And the second one is I am being blessed to bless others. So those are the two things that are my go-to money mantras that feel good, don't necessarily feel like you're worshiping money. And hopefully it helps people get into the right mindset, especially when it comes to charging people, you know, for the services and the products that they're offering in their businesses. Yeah. I love those. I like those a lot because it it doesn't seem so bad. Like you're like, oh, if this is going to a higher purpose, fuck it. Like, let's do it. Give it to me. <laughs> so this has been this has been really awesome. I'm hopeful that people who are listening who are maybe having money struggles or are just getting into business will find, you know, some uh, reassurance that A, they're not alone with the money struggles, but also it is possible to change your brain so that you can make more and be happy with having more because that's a whole nother thing. But as a final send off for every guest, I like to ask the question, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? I would tell my younger self to keep your standards high. High AF. (laughs) Because I remember as a teenager, people would always often say, even when it comes to dating, for example, oh, you know, just set your bar a little lower and then maybe you'll reach something or attract someone or whatever. I'm like, no. No, girl, keep that bar set high. Keep your expectations and your standard high. Don't let anyone else convince you otherwise. That's going to be my advice for my younger self. And, you know, I'm confident to say that for the most part, she did keep her standards high. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely could have used that in my early 20s for sure. I mean, we're getting there, but that's funny. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So Paige, I'm wondering where can people connect with you or find you if they want to, you know, just either compliment you on the episode, work with you, you know, ask you a couple questions, whatever it is. Yeah, you can easily find me on Instagram, on YouTube. Just type Paige Ray. So make sure you type it right or you spell it right. Otherwise, you won't find me. P-A-J-E-R-E-Y for both Instagram and YouTube. And then you can also just go to my website, page.live, P-A-J-E dot L-I-V-E. And you should find all of my stuff there. And I've got other freebies as well and other videos there that you can definitely tune in if you want to learn more about my process and how I, you know, transformed my relationship with money. I filmed a lot about that on YouTube as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing these gold nuggets about making more money because we all need a little bit more money in this lifetime. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gabby. And I hope that, you know, this little episode really is going to be a safe space for people to think about money without feeling uncomfortable. Uh, I do believe that we all need to talk about it a little bit more. And one of my goals, as you've mentioned earlier, you know, we don't learn money from school. 
how we think, feel about money is something that we learn from home. So if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I want you to know that this is the first step of you to change the financial history of your family. So thank you so much, Gabby, for allowing your platform to be that for, for other people. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.